0: Well, welcome back to the Palview Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. My name is Trey Hinkle. I'm the senior pastor here at Palview Christian Church in beautiful central Oregon. We're going through the uh, Gospel of Luke. We're actually on our 42nd week of looking at it, and we have begun to enter into the last week of Jesus, uh, the week of the passion, if you will. And last week, we began to scratch the surface on the triumphal entry, and I'm not done with it yet. I feel like there's one more thing I'd I'd like to point out before we continue on. You know, one of my mom's favorite pronouncements on me uh, was to call me a biblical donkey. Now, let me explain. Mom was very competitive and very intelligent. Instead of uh, honing my athletic skills because my body was not up for athletics, mom and dad honed my uh, mental skills. And so we would play a lot of word games, we would play Probe, we we would play Boggle. But one of our very favorite games was Scrabble. And yet, like I said, my mom was very intelligent, but very competitive. And so if you happen to play in, in the place that she had been planning to play, you know how you play Scrabble, you got seven letters, and you, you try to find a place on the board where crossword like you can place them so that they make another word. Well, mom would have a strategy in mind, and then if you were playing right before her and you played in her place, she would call you a biblical donkey. Now, <clears throat> I'm not sure of your of your um, sensibilities, your offensibilities. Um, I'm going to risk it uh, because some of you may not know what I'm talking about when I say biblical donkey. I would play, and mom would look at me and say, "You." Jackass. Now, Mom was known for this particular phrase. We would laugh and say, "Oh, biblical donkey," because in the King James Version, that word is there. Mom passed away in two thousand nine, and we decided that words were such a part of her life that we wanted to create an eight foot by eight foot square Scrabble board up on the um, uh, on the uh, on the podium on the platform. So, as we were telling stories of mom's life, we would put a word that would represent each story. And that uh, would then look like a gigantic scrabble board. It was it was really a neat thing to do. Well, as we were sitting down, my sisters and I talking about what words we needed to put up there. I said, you know what we have to put up there, we have to put the word jackass up there. But then we thought, well, maybe that would offend too many people because there was a lot of people going to come to mom's funeral. And they may not have known this part about her. So we decided instead of putting the A's in the word, there's two A's in that word, that we would just replace the A's with a blank. And so there it was, J blank, CK blank, S, S. Something that we will always remember mom for, the biblical donkey. Now, what does that have to do with scripture? Well, follow my logic. Last week, we observed Jesus as he was preparing to make himself known to the people as their promised messiah. But he was coming not to set up an earthly kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom. And, and while the crowd was very excited, willing to hail Jesus as their king, they, they didn't really totally understand what that would mean for Jesus or what it would ultimately mean for them. So here's my point this morning. If Jesus is truly your king, then there's going to be some implications that can't be ignored, can't be avoided. Interestingly enough, those implications can be seen in an unassuming character in the events that played out on Palm Sunday. Now, the character was not a disciple, had not been a disciple for years and years, like some had been that were gathered there that day. The character did not raise his voice with cheers of Hosanna to that uh, coming king with the adoring crowd. Uh, the, The character didn't wave palm branches. All this character is known for is being needed. By the king, so if we go back to Luke chapter nineteen, we see nestled in the story of Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem, three verses, starting in verse twenty-nine. When Jesus drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, "Go into the village in front of you, where on entering it you will find a colt tied or a donkey, a, a young donkey, on which no one has yet ever sat. Untie it and bring it here." And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. The Lord has need of the donkey. Now, that's all we know of this character, the donkey, in this gospel account. So what do we know? We know he's a donkey. We know he's a biblical donkey. (laughs) So you see now where the story of my mom's favorite nickname for me comes in, right? We know that he's never been ridden on, he's a young donkey, and we know that he's most likely the firstborn, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. He's owned by somebody, we know that, and we know that Jesus rides him into the city. But most of all, we know that the Lord had need of the donkey. The donkey was part of his plan. Can you imagine? The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Great I Am, the Creator of the Universe, had need of something now that's astounding to me it's astounding to to know that god all sufficient all powerful in order to bring about his plan had need of a donkey he was going to use a donkey to bring out his plan and by the way why not look through scripture he uses a lot of odd things you know he uses a a giant fish a, a rooster a, a small fish a donkey A couple of different times, actually. He uses odd characters throughout Scripture. A a heathen prophet, a prostitute, a liar, a drunk, a conceited braggart, and the list goes on. Why would God do that? Why would God use these lowly, heathen sinners for his plan? Well, the Apostle Paul had an explanation in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, God chose to use a donkey. God chooses to use us, not because of our perfection, not because we bring a lot of amazing gifts to the table. He uses us because by shining through us, earthen pots, clay vessels, cracked pots, if you will, biblical donkeys at times, by using us, he shines through us. And his work of holiness in our lives become apparent. And as that happens, he is both magnified, people see him larger because of what we are doing, because we are less, he becomes greater, and he is glorified in my life. So if Jesus chooses to use a donkey, a jackass, well, then guess what? He can use me. He can use you as well. And if you had played where my mom was going to play in Scrabble, she would have called you the same thing. Now, there are three things, three very simple things that I want us to see about this donkey, this biblical donkey that Jesus rode on as he made his way into the city for that last week before his crucifixion. Three things that I believe that can hold true to us as well. So in order for God to make use of the donkey, three things had to happen. First of all, the donkey had to be bought, then it had to be brought, and then it had to be broken. It had to be bought, and it had to be brought, and it had to be broken. The whole idea then is that if we are going to be used by God for a greater purpose, those things must be true of us as well. Let's break them down just a bit. First of all, the donkey had to be brought. Now, no money is exchanged, as you probably noticed in the story. Jesus doesn't send cash with the disciples to go buy the donkey. Um, You may wonder then how the donkey was bought. If they didn't have uh, money, how could they have bought the donkey? Well, there's something intriguing about donkeys that you may never have seen before in the Old Testament. I want you to listen to a passage from Exodus chapter 13, several verses within that chapter. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. And then Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you came out From Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. So then no leavened bread shall be eaten, seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and then on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. And you shall tell your son on that day, It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your forefathers, and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Now, here, so according to Exodus, according to this passage, this chapter, chapter 13, because of what God had done for his people at the Passover, every firstborn male creature belonged to God. The Israelites were to sacrifice every firstborn male animal of their livestock, of their clean domestic animals, the cattle, the sheep, the goats. The blood of the ritually clean animal then was sprinkled on the altar there at the tabernacle and later on at the temple. The fat of the animal would be burned on the altar to the Lord and then the meat would be then given to the priests and their family for food. Now, that would be the firstborn of your livestock. Well, what about your firstborn son, the firstborn of the humans? Well, the firstborn son in every family, was to be redeemed. Uh, Why? Well, God didn't want human sacrifice, hated it, in fact. Uh, Human sacrifice would not have pleased him. But because of Passover, because of what had been owed to God, the firstborn son of every Israelite family was still dedicated to the Lord. That son was to be given to the Lord in a lifetime of service there at the tabernacle and later on at the, the temple, as Hannah This Old Testament lady did with her son Samuel in the Old Testament. He grew to be the prophet Samuel who anointed King David. She took her firstborn and brought him to the tabernacle to be raised there for a lifetime of service. Now, as Hebrew history went along, God would eventually choose the tribe of Levi to actually stand in the place of the firstborn sons of all the other tribes so that. No longer did your firstborn son have to live at the tabernacle, have to be dedicated to lifetime a lifelong service there. Why? Because God said, you know what, I'm choosing the tribe of Levi to stand in their place. So in, in another sense, the firstborn of all the other 11 tribes were redeemed from the work that had been transferred to the Levites by, bringing, by mom and dad bringing five shekels of silver. right. So here again, they had to be redeemed by five shekels of silver. So that's the law concerning the firstborn of the humans and the firstborn of the clean animals. But what about the animals that were unclean? You know, you you get later on in the passage in Exodus, uh, it says every firstborn of a donkey, you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if you will not redeem it with a lamb, you shall break its neck. Well, there you go. What's going on? Well, a donkey was one of these animals that was considered unclean. Uh, you weren't allowed to eat it. Um, it could not be sacrificed to God. Its unclean blood would not be, could not be sprinkled on the altar. Its unclean meat could not be eaten by the priest. So what do you do with an unclean donkey if the firstborn of every animal is God's? Well, God says, you have a choice. If you want to keep it, because donkeys were important as beasts of burden, then the Israelites could redeem that donkey, buy it back from God with a lamb. See, they could bring a lamb to the altar to sacrifice that lamb, and the lamb would then die instead of the donkey and uh, but if the israelite did not want to sacrifice a lamb then he had no choice but to break the donkey's neck he could not have it it was the lords he had to kill it why because the firstborn of all of the hebrews the families and their animals their livestock belonged to the lord you see when god brought them out of egypt god spared the firstborn he he told Moses to tell Pharaoh that on this night, the angel of death was going to take the firstborn of all households in Egypt. Well, the Jews were living in Egypt, and so they were in danger of losing their firstborn son. But God told Moses, if the people of God would put blood of a lamb on the doorposts of their house, then the angel of death, as he came to that house, would pass over that house and spare the firstborn son he would pass over do you now see why the jews would celebrate this every year and they call it the passover because they should have had their firstborn son die but god in his mercy spared them because of the blood of the lamb so from this point on god says because i spared the firstborn there in egypt as a reminder you need to know that every firstborn of anything in, in the Israel, within the Israelite camp, within the Israelite nation, anything, the firstborn of anything belonged to him. Well, but now we come to a catch-22 because the donkey, being the firstborn, belongs to God. But the donkey is unclean. So God says you can actually allow a lamb to die for the donkey. And when that happened, the donkey was bought back and now can be used. Uh, Another word for bought back is redeemed. So do you see the parallel? Like it or not, you and I are the donkey. We are rightfully the property of the Lord, the Lord who made us. (laughs) But the problem is that we, because of our sin, are unacceptable to God. Just like the donkey we are unclean. Our sins make us unclean. So there's only one thing to do with the unclean, and that is to die, to break our necks, to destroy us, to to get us away from the presence of God. But God says, but I don't want that. That doesn't please me. So I will allow you to be redeemed by a lamb. So now you see the significance of What John the Baptist said when Jesus comes down to the River Jordan to be baptized. Looking up, John the Baptist sees Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is our Lamb. The Lamb of God who redeemed us, who bought us back. Bought us. Like the donkey. The redeemed of the Lord are bought. We're not our own. We have been purchased with the price of the blood of Jesus, our Messiah. Secondly, the donkey had to be brought Now, many of you, um, well, okay, you, my listening audience, don't remember this, but uh, about a year or so ago when we were talking about uh, the Sermon on the Mount, I went out to Glen Hanna's property. Uh, He's a gentleman in our church, and he's got a mule, Smokey the Mule. And I got to ride Smokey. Well, ride is kind of a stretch. I eventually was able to get up onto Smokey, and I sat on Smokey, but Smokey wouldn't really budge. Now, Glenn told me that mules have a bad reputation of being stubborn. Now, he says they're actually very smart animals. Smokey was so smart that he had figured out the person that was sitting on him had no idea what he was doing. So he didn't go anywhere because he didn't want to hurt me. I could not get Smokey to go. Uh, He was not listening to me. He would not be led at all. But then the master, Glenn, went out there and he just took Smokey by the harness and was able to lead this smart, very stubborn animal wherever he wanted him to go. And it was a very interesting observation for me, because here the stubbornness of the mule was no match for the master. And if Glenn wanted to bring the donkey, he would be able to bring him anywhere he wanted. Jesus said, go get the donkey. You see, somebody had to go where the donkey was and had to untie it and had to bring it to the master before he could use it for his purposes. Remember, the master has need of it. Now, why do some people come? Why are some people brought and some people not? Well, the Bible is clear about what our sinful nature is all about. Our sin is something that ties us down. It keeps us from living in the freedom that God designed us to live in. Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 2, Whatever overcomes you... You're enslaved to that. We are far from the master. We're tied up. We're stuck because of our sin. What an amazing picture of of the consequences of our sinful nature, our sinful choices. Perhaps you are listening to me today and you have not yet been brought out of your sin to the master. You're still bound. You've not experienced what it's like for somebody to come untie you and truly bring you to the lord now some of you may have known about god for a long time but you haven't been brought to him you're still tied up with sin as your master with death as wages you know don't don't feel like you're being excluded we're all born into a sinful nature but jesus gives us an invitation to be unbound to be brought to to Him, where He can free us from the penalty of our sin, to be born anew into a regenerated existence, to live the life where the image of God shines through the ugliness of our sin. And it's God's Spirit that brings us when we are willing. Just like Smokey would not move for me, but Smokey would move for the Master. The Master beckons us and wants to bring us to Him. Now, the process is hard, very hard. And and there will always be forces opposing our being brought. Um, In the case of the donkey, Jesus said, "You know what? As you go get the donkey to bring it to me, you might encounter resistance. But here's the deal: if if anyone, if any one of you, if anyone stops you, just tell them my plan. Tell them I have need of this creature. Those I I guess were like the magic words. Like, um, (laughs) and by the way, this is not one of those." Uh, Far-fetched predictions, like nobody would have known this Like, you know, hey, if somebody stops you from taking a car, say uh, Wow, um, the the Lord has need of it They're going to stop you from taking the car Wow, Jesus, it's it's just like you said, they, they, they stopped us Well, of course they stopped them. But he had a plan, so he says, I want you to come And there are forces that are going to oppose you being brought Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 6, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against rulers and authorities and against cosmic powers over this present darkness. We wrestle against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. To confess that you're a sinner sinner in need of a Savior, to admit that you can't do it on your own, that's a, a very difficult thing to do. To be untied from your life of doing it your way. God never said that would be easy. But it's the right thing to do. And he does beckon us. He does. His spirit wants to bring us to Jesus. And though the enemy will oppose that decision, ultimately nobody can stop you. Nobody can stop you. So don't let that detract you. Don't let that um, pull you away from even trying. Because once you're there, Now Jesus wants to do something in you. Uh, And his Holy Spirit continues a work because the donkey didn't just have to be bought. It didn't just have to be brought. But lastly, it had to be broken. Now, the nature of any wild animal is to resist. It's interesting, even dogs, you know, man's best friend that are supposed to be our companions, right? At least certain breeds have a natural tendency to not listen, to do their own thing. And when you have a 100-pound Great Pyrenees like I do, that's not a good thing. You know, uh, it, that dog has to be broken. And maybe it's just my luck uh, with, with dogs because when I was in middle school, I had a puppy. I took it to an obedience school, and, and the dog, a Keishin, was just plain stubborn. And the trainer actually told the entire class that uh, that was not my fault. The trainer told the class that certain breeds of dogs just resist being trained. Now she said it was difficult but not impossible, and it took weeks and weeks and weeks. But in order to me for me to have a dog that was obedient, I had to break the dog. A donkey who has never been ridden is the same way. You have to break it in. This donkey that is brought to Jesus, we're told they they put cloaks on him and then they put Jesus on him, and that that's not natural. Something inside that donkey had to have happened in order for Jesus to sit on him to to actually lead him to be the master of the donkey the donkey had to be broken now when you and i are brought to jesus the sin that had separated us from god is overpowered we are saved from the penalty of sin which by the way is eternal separation from god but we still have issues don't we we're still engaged in this spiritual battle against the forces that want to bring us back to the place where we're tied up, unable to, to live in the freedom that God designed us to live in. The enemy continues to throw his forces against us, fighting to keep us enslaved to the hang-ups and the habits and the, the hurt and the sin that hides the image of God in us. That, that enemy will lead us back to our beast-like stage, where we don't have the image of God anymore and we're chasing after baser lust like pigs wallowing in mud or our dogs returning to their own vomit. Again, that goes back to 2 Peter chapter 2. The, the donkey had to be broken so it didn't go back to its old ways. And that was hard because it had to deal with a lot of distractions. There were massive crowds pressing in They were being loud. They were waving palm branches. All of this would have been very unnatural, very disturbing to this young donkey that had never been ridden. It would have taken a lot of discipline. It would have taken a willingness to submit to the one riding him. But there was a purpose for that donkey. And that donkey stayed with the purpose because it had been broken. Remember, because we've been brought to the master, the penalty of sin is done away with. But there is still the power that we must fight against. We must continually put ourselves under his control, the the, the control of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, who produces in us the fruit of Jesus's character, Uh, the, the Holy Spirit who shows us a way out of every temptation every time. It's there. We're told in Scripture that he will show us a way out. It's now up to us to be broken to pay attention to where he is guiding us so that we can see that way out and then to call on his strength to then actually help us continue to go the direction that he has led. Now, as we uh, conclude here, I want to let you know that uh, donkeys are varied in their appearance. They've got different markings and such depending upon the, uh, the variety. There is one variety of donkey commonly known as the Jerusalem donkey. Its appearance is unique and and quite telling. There's even a legend that the donkey that carried Jesus into Jerusalem was aware of what was happening to Jesus and would witness his journey to Calvary later that week. And Jesus was then forced to carry his own cross. But the legend says that the sight of the crucified Savior was too much for the donkey to bear. And so he turned his back on the dying Savior and the shadow of Jesus' cross fell upon the back of Jesus donkey. And that's why, according to this legend, the Jerusalem donkey has a cross on its back. Uh, If you are on your computer, Google Jerusalem donkey and look at what that looks like. Now, that's just a legend. uh, But the fact that this Jerusalem donkey has a cross on his back serves as a reminder for us today as to what a disciple of Jesus is to be about, what it means to be bought and brought and broken, serving God's purposes Jesus gives us a picture of what that would mean. The picture is going to be in front of us for the next several weeks as our messages will lead to the crucifixion of Jesus. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. At the heart of being bought and brought and broken is this inescapable idea of taking up our own crosses to follow him. Now, to the ancient Jew, a cross was not meant to be worn as jewelry or as a decor for a worship center. Uh, It was an instrument of death. And that's the ultimate submission, isn't it? We must not forget that in the scheme of things, Jesus is the Lord. He is the one in control. He is the one who freed us from the penalty of sin through his death on the cross. He is the one who defeated death as he rose in victory on the third day. He is the one under whom God put all of creation. And so, in order for us to live under his lordship. Scripture tells us that we must pick up our cross and follow him. We must die to ourselves to put to death the old sinful man in order to find the kind of life that he brings to us. Now, if you desire to live in that kingdom, you can come to him with the shadow of the cross on your back as well. But it takes you to be bought redeemed by his blood brought to him and then submitting to him as you are broken under his spirit all right well that's the message for today i'm glad you were able to join us once again i thank you to my team to my executive producer lisa welly and our technical producer steve pitman and i thank you for continuing to join us and listening in each week Again, if you're in our neck of the woods up in uh, central Oregon, we are halfway between Redmond, Oregon and Prineville, Oregon, about 25 minutes northeast of Bend. And so if you're ever in our neck of the woods, our area, we'd love for you to come and join us um, on a Sunday morning, uh, either 8.30 or 10.30 or 11.30. And you can always uh, find us on the web at www.powellbutechurch.com. God bless you. We'll see you next week.